All right, welcome back, Side Guys Podcast. Got another guest with us today. We got Dr. Andrew Harmon joining us. Uh, very relevant guest for this topic because he is a physician by day, video game connoisseur by night. So I will start with my credentials for talking about this. So like I was kind of telling you guys before, played football in college, which is 40 to 50 hours per week, year round, like spring, winter, summer, fall. And obviously doing all the uh, pre-med bio stuff, classwork. Like during my junior year, we uh, took 19 credits and four science labs, which I don't know how science labs worked at where you guys went. They'd be like, yeah, it's one credit, but it's more work than your actual class. So a lot of work. Like after football games on Saturday, I'd be up to like 2 a.m. doing homework. So never had any free time or anything. Same with spring of junior year studying for the mcat taking like neuro hormones behavior physics all that so again no free time never like went out never had time to hang out with friends and uh like i was telling you before i went to seton hall prep for high school and i think it was harder than my college like in terms of like coursework so by the time college ended i was already just completely over school i was like i gotta do four more years of med school that's not gonna be great so but i got like an extra 40 to 50 hours a week just gifted to me from football being over once med school started. I was already had like great time management skills because I kind of needed to, to survive doing well in classes and doing all this football, um, these football things every single day. So I didn't necessarily have to study more than I was already kind of doing in college. So I just had an extra 40, 50 hours. And ever since I was a kid, I loved video games, played a lot growing up as an only child till I was like 10 all high school played a lot of play like Xbox, PlayStation. Didn't play it all in college, but once med school started, I have played an excessive amount. Like more, like I don't know how you guys see this, but like PlayStation that does like their PlayStation wrap up each year, like Spotify does. Right. So like from like January to January. So from January, like January of my second year, right? Like when you're studying for your first set of boards. Okay into the first half of third year. Um, this number's gonna sound ridiculous. I <laughs> I'm ready. I'm, I'm gonna preface this. Myself. I want <laughs> I wanna I wanna say I watch all like my TV shows and movies on my PlayStation. Oh so that also counts. So it, it okay, artificially okay. increases Elevated. it. Okay, so it's okay. not as insane as it sounds, but it was fifteen hundred hours. Fifteen hundred hours. For that year. For a year. This, How much of that would you estimate as video games, I guess? Probably two thirds. Two thirds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so i play an excessive amount of video games now so i'm really excited when you guys asked me to talk about video games well, i guess is yeah, my first question is it in your opinion an addiction so i did think it was and then we had a lecture in med school about like all these addictive things and the criteria mm. and i met like maybe one of them and i was right. like which one, which one did you meet uh, i think it was like looking forward to doing it or something <laughs> Get yeah, out of class. Yeah, yeah. Go play some video games. Yeah, but like everything else, I was like, well, I don't need that. That or, I was like right. looking for things. I was like, I want to say I have an addiction to video games, but I was like, oh, God damn it! Like I, none of these things line up. So unfortunately, I don't. But I just right. put all my free time into video well, games. On a weekly basis, how many hours of video games were you playing at your peak? I mean, if I'm like not in school, but does COVID is COVID yeah, factored into this? Because I feel true. like I want to. I mean, we talked a little bit about that last time, but. 
What do you think? Because I feel like COVID doesn't count. Let's let's exclude COVID times because that was a weird time in everyone's life. That, that's fair. I mean, like during school with like responsibilities, like now, like get out of work at like five-ish, go to the gym. By the time I get home, each hour, it's like 7.30 and I'll play till like 11. Okay. So it's not that bad now, but like when I'm off, like I had a year be- off between college and med school because um, at Rowan, we still had the uh, hold list when I applied. Mm. So I applied like so late, like the whole class was full. So they were like, hey, you got accepted. It'll probably be the following year. So I had the year off of not having to like reapply or anything. And I would wake up at like 11, go to the gym and then play like video games for like 12 hours, like every day. 12 <laughs> hours every single day. Like I could, I could consistently do 12 hours. Well, how many hours. days in a row can you keep that up for? You'd be surprised. <laughs> You'd be go surprised. Like easily like over a week. Over a week. Do like, you think that's healthy? I mean, I go to the gym every day. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, so, how, how I define addiction is like, is it yeah. interfering with your daily life? Like, is it with your jobs, with your relationships, with your ability to be a functional person in this society? And yeah, so I actually hear that. And, and I actually I, don't get too freaked out because it's like, well, you had nothing to do. And, yeah, you know, because I, I, I actually listened to this podcast today all about video addiction. And, and it was these two psychiatrists actually talking. And they were talking a lot about how like all these now that uh, like gaming internet disorder is in the dsm you know the way we have to think about it is not like uh greater than two hours a day for five days out of seven days a week meets criteria for gaming gaming disorder like it has to be this functionality component maybe there's a piece of like um quantifying the time but i mean what do you think I mean, I, I agree with that sentiment. I think video game is something that's uh, very recent, actually, right? And it's evolved so fast. Um, I See, I actually, I would very much disagree with that. With what part of the statement? Because, that it's evolved fast or uh, well, I was listening. Well, define new, because I'm thinking about uh, the this podcast was talking about gaming addiction and how way back in the day when like even pinball machines started, they had these kids excessively playing way too many pinball games and like stealing to get uh, quarters to play the video games mm-hmm. and, and then so on and so forth. So when I think of new, like, are you saying in the last 10 years? Because it's like pinball has been around maybe since like, I guess I don't know. <laughs> long as shit That's yeah i don't time. know like yeah. but I, th- I think the first commercial video game was released in like what 1987 or something oh, like that i don't, I don't know. know it's probably we're pulling that. out of our ass yeah, yeah, but it whatever. was probably yeah. before that um but definitely within the past 100 years fair yeah fair right okay and you talked about pinball and think about like what a pinball machine is and you compare that to the video games that we have today how mm-hmm. much more addictive is video games today compared to that pinball machine when you had that pinball machine, you already had kids um, acting up, you know, going crazy for these games. And today, right, there's reports of like kids stealing their parents' credit cards so they can make microtransactions in their video games. They're running up like tens of thousands of dollars in certain cases um, and going rogue, essentially. Mm. Is that addiction or is that just a kid who's doing who's being a kid? I don't know. I, I, I think it's just such a new thing that it's um, really hard to wrap our fingers around and be and be exact um, when we're talking about video games. So think about this, like how many how many billions of people are there in the world? Eight billion, there's eight billion. All right, take a guess guys, out of those eight billion people in the world, how many people do you think play video games? I'll let you guess because I can at, see you soon, Peter. At least half. At least half, okay. Some type of video game, whether it's phone video game, yeah. 3.23 billion gamers worldwide as of 2023. Mm-hmm. 
So out of the 8 billion people, that's almost half the population of the entire world now plays video games. So contrasting that to the world where that pinball machine was, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say half the world was playing pinball at that time. Yeah, I think that's fair. But then what this podcast was also getting into was how can you draw significant analogies between like a gambling addiction versus video game addiction? Like, I guess with video games, you're not necessarily the reward of getting the money back, but it is something that, you know, it's hitting like a dopamine receptor in our mind, right? We keep like going back and back and back and back. And part of the internet gaming disorder, I mean, I don't have the criteria in front of me. I don't know if you do, but like, isn't it like not being able to control how much money you spend on that game? Is there a piece of that? Do you know? Do you have the DSM up in front of you or whatever? But it's like we talked about that in the Fortnite episode. Remember how like, and you even mentioned it right there, kids kids excessively uh, stealing parents' credit cards to spend on these games. And so what this podcast was talking a lot about how is, is video games just now an extension of gambling disorder? And we've had gambling. I mean, gambling's been around for who knows how long, right? Like, I mean, probably as long as humans have been existing. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess what are your thoughts like thinking about that? Well, what's yeah. been your experience, Andrew? You so, played a lot. Yeah, I have very strong feelings on this. So there's oh. there's some companies that prey on exploiting, I think, psychiatric kind of tendencies. And I will specifically name like EA Sports, and like Activision, Blizzard, kind of these places. Um, so kind of things on like impulsivity, like maybe like ADHD, impulsively kind of doing things um gambling addictions as a whole and i'll kind of get into that a little bit how they like these companies love people with like gambling addictions um even like manic tendencies for like spending money um and some anxiety of like fomo like fear of missing out a lot of these companies will be like oh well we have this limited time thing for only two days i'll never be here ever right. again so like people spending money um but so I could talk about Blizzard for a while with kind of what they do in terms of like these gambling addictions. And these are video game companies. Video like game the, companies, Like the Walmart yeah. and the Target of video yeah, gaming. Yeah, yeah. Fair so, um, I June and I talk a little bit about Diablo. Um, I don't know if, Logan, if you've played Diablo I haven't at all. played it, but I at least know so, about it. Okay. So, June, can you name the Diablo games like that you've heard of? Well, there's just one, two, three, and four. I was no? going to go Diablo yeah. 1. <laughs> it was just a okay. miracle. Yeah, so I would say most people think of it that way. So be between Diablo 3 and 4, this was last year, I think, they came out with a mobile game, Diablo Immortal. Okay. And what this game was, like most mobile games have microtransactions. It's kind of like the Farmville. Like you could pay some money to speed up, whatever. So this <laughs> Diablo Immortal, in order to get a fully maxed out character, the only way to do it was through buying and it you guys are going to lose your minds on this there were like streamers who figured out how much it cost it was hundreds of thousands of real life dollars oh wow to max out one character in that game and how they do that is which companies started doing a, a couple of years ago with these uh like loot boxes mm -hmm. like that's like where the gambling Explain loot boxes for people so, that don't game. Yeah, so they'll be like, oh, you get some like currency in this game. You could buy this box and like we don't know what's in it. Right. It's going to be random. But like the odds are like really shitty that you're going to get something good. Like FIFA, with EA does this all the time. It drives me insane. Like I don't play FIFA, but like them doing it still pisses me off. They have like this thing called Ultimate Team where like you basically get like the cards of like soccer players. Like you get like a messy card and your team like becomes sick. 
right? But each year they reset it. Like, like, oh, FIFA 22 is coming out. They don't change the game at all, but they reset your ultimate team completely. So you have to start from scratch trying to get like these cards. And what they'll do is they'll have like these loot boxes. Like there's like a random chance that you could get like this 99 overall messy. But instead, like you get like a 60 overall like scrub. So like that's especially like kids who like have like these impulsivity issues or people with gambling addictions. Like that is where like the gambling comes in. Like, yeah, you're not getting like real life money, but like you're spending and like what they do is they say like, oh, well, you could buy like the in-game currency with real money and then you could spend more boxes. So like that's like a really big thing that's been like happening is especially with like EA where they like, oh, well, you could spend like hundreds of boxes and you'll eventually get something good. So there's people with like these like gambling addictions mm-hmm. and tendencies are like, oh, well, I'll just keep like spending money and money and money because I could do that and I'll eventually get it. Economics of video games. It's been fascinating to see how that industry has uh, changed even within the course of my lifetime. I remember mm-hmm. Blizzard uh, used to be a great company, right? They used oh to make like StarCraft. People used to love their games. And over time, as the video market industry has gotten bigger and bigger, I feel like these companies are becoming more and more greedy. Typical of what mm-hmm. you expect from big corporations. Um, or drug dealers. You yeah, trying to exploit yeah. individuals for economic profit. Is mm-hmm. that something that's being talked about within the video game yeah. community? Yeah, I feel so like I see a lot Is there any of kind of videos. pushback to that? Yeah, no, a lot of like Blizzard is viewed as like the villain of video game. Um, oh, is that right? Like they used to be amazing. Like the F- Diablo 1 and 2 are like renowned games. Like they used to come out with like amazing games. And like they'll, like Diablo 4 they came out with and it was like oh this is like blizzard approved like it's we're going back to like old diablo and that's like why it sold so well is everyone's like infatuated with like what blizzard used to be and now they're just like this greedy company that another game oh uh, have you guys ever heard of overwatch yes. yes i'm familiar with that so overwatch one was out for like years and people were like kind of getting mad because one they had loot boxes which everyone hated mm-hmm. and two they weren't releasing new content and they were like, oh, well, we're coming out with Overwatch 2. So all of our development time's going towards that. So people are like, okay, fine. We'll like accept it. So then I forget if it was last year or two, like two years ago. It was like sometime in that. They were like, oh, Overwatch 2 is coming out. We're coming out with like PVE, which is like player versus like environment or whatever. Okay. All right. So it's like a co-op thing. Like you can play with your friends, go through like missions. They have mm-hmm. like different um, skill trees that you could level up and make like the gameplay different for like your favorite character. And they were like, that's like going to be the main thing in like Overwatch 2. But like, we're still working on that. So we're going to release Overwatch 2, but just like the PvP, which is like the multiplayer, like Call of Duty, like f- style fighting. So they shut down the Overwatch 1 servers. Right. So you could never play, you can't play Overwatch mm-hmm. 1 at all. Like, people spend a lot of money, like, getting like these skins. Like, that's the main thing, right. like, all these cosmetics. Into Overwatch 2, they changed virtually nothing. Like, all they did was it used to be 6v6, they changed it to 5v5. And it was virtually the same. The only thing they took out were the loot boxes. And instead they made it so like the only way to get skins is to like use real real money. Like there was like no in-game way to get the skins. Mm-hmm. So like people were like, this is this sucks. Like what are like this is literally just for you to get make more money. Right. And then like six months or so after the game was released, um, Blizzard says, actually, we're scrapping uh the PvE mode. So that's just not gonna be a thing anymore. So like they like let it be like six months of people like spending money getting ready like for like their characters for like the PVE mode for them to be like oh yeah no we've known for about a year that we're not doing this wow and it's so just like exploiting like like people for like money right 
So right. it's like essentially like if you get somebody hooked onto your product, you can you can essentially sell them anything. And they're kind of screwing the player base over because mm-hmm. there's already people that's been playing for, I don't know, like years, right? Yeah. And they're, would you say they're addicted to the game? If they continue to play um, in face of these negative changes and these predatory behaviors by yeah. these big corporations, yeah. is that an addiction? When you see this other party clearly taking these actions, yet you still continue to partake in that experience. I think if they're like actively spending money and like not really able to stop, then yes. Like I know some friends who will play the game and be like, I don't care what they're doing. Like I'm not going to spend any money on it, but like I'll enjoy it for like a couple months. And like they'll just kind of put off like all these like awful things. Like Blizzard also like got has been in like a whole world of like hurt with like sexual harassment stuff like in, mm. in the uh like workplace so like they're just like the bottom barrel like shittiest like whatever you could think of for a company is like what blizzard is um but yeah like some people will be like yeah you know i don't care about like that they're ripping people off and that they're stealing money from people and all this stuff like the game's like will be fun enough for like a couple weeks i'm not gonna spend any money on it and then i'll just move on from it i'm gonna throw out a stat because I want people to understand how big of an economic industry video gaming is. And um, I want to get your thoughts on the slogan. So in 2023, the video game market is estimated to be worth $197 billion. So for comparison, if you put together all the teams in the NFL, that combined worth is estimated to be valued at $143 billion. Right. So contrast that to the almost $200 billion that the video game industry is worth. That's how much economic power Mm -hmm. is like we're talking about when it comes to video gaming. Does that surprise you, Logan? Well, I mean, in in doing my preparation for this podcast, uh, I I ran into that similar stat, (laughs) actually. But it was comparing and contrasting, um, not necessarily video games against uh, the NFL. I I like how you did that there. But it was comparing and contrasting against uh, the movie industry. And and I wish I had the, the movie industry in front of me, but they were talking about how it's like you know vastly vastly bigger so it's very interesting to think about like you know isn't it possible also that there are people in this world that are addicted to netflix or addicted to movies like isn't this all like why are we getting so wrapped around on video game addiction like addiction is addiction like in a sense like if it's movies if it's um um video games or even we could argue that substances can elicit a very similar response in the brain right like a dopamine Mm -hmm. kind of chasing that we're doing right like cocaine is or meth is the easiest thing to think about so i have a very interesting question i want to pose to both of you new jersey is not one of these states but in 37 states allow for Involuntary commitment for individuals who are in the emergency room, assuming because of substance use or it's said alcohol use disorder issues. So therefore, if we're saying that a video game addiction is very analogous in a sense to any addiction to like a substance, is there going to be a world or is there going to be situations when someone is going to be involuntary committed based on their video game addiction? What do you I, think about that? I'll go first if you want to think about that. Um, I think at some point it will get to that, but I think at its core, video game like the obviously the difference between drugs and video games is one like you could be like I only took a little bit of drugs like it's it's bad for you regardless. I think video games have a lot of kind of positive mental health 
effects that drugs do not. Like at its core, I think video games versus like watching Netflix, if you spend like the same amount of time, like video games are more engaging. I think they're more mentally stimulating. I might just be saying that because I just... Yeah, like, you might be biased. I, I, I very right? well might yeah. be. But like it helps, <laughs> with, <laughs> it, it helps with hand-eye coordination. Sure. Um, it's a good socialization tool. Like mm-hmm. I know people, like I'm like one of them, like I have friends I've never met in person, right? And like you meet through like video games and you could just play with them. Like it's a way of socializing without having to go out. Like I'm super introverted. I don't like find not going out and like going mm-hmm. to bars and stuff, but it's a way to not be by myself whereas like you're watching a tv show like eight hours a day like you're just in your bed by yourself like not mentally stimulated um but i do think that at a certain point with how things are going that you i don't know about necessarily new jersey but i think some other states that you could be like involuntarily committed for like substance or alcohol i think it could get to that especially like when you put in like the gambling addiction and like how much money some people like spend like impulsively not being able to stop. Right. Like they can completely ruin their lives and like kind of their family's lives if it's like a kid through all that. So I think we're not too far off to getting to that point. I think it really has to do with like the regulations because like video games are not regulated at all, which is why you have like these scummy companies that Mm -hmm. just exploit people because like the people in charge are like, people who don't understand video games like how they are they're like oh i remember pac-man and it's just like okay well these games aren't really like pac-man with how much money you could spend so i think once like kind of our generation gets into the power role of that with people who understand and grew up with kind of these video games i think we could get to that point where people are being involuntarily committed because due to video games in some sense video gaming addiction causing them to be dangerous to self or others yeah perhaps um i actually disagree there i i don't think i can imagine a world where that sort of medical intervention is going to be um recommended for Mm -hmm. excessive video game use because when i kind of project you know like 100 200 years out i mean think about what's happened within our lifetime right um was it 2007 when steve jobs introduced the first iphone whatever it was yeah Yeah. so before that we weren't we weren't carrying around these phones in our pockets Mm -hmm. but fast forward to 2023 i mean do you go anywhere without your phone is it fair to say your phone is a extension of you yeah it's essentially a part of you now are we already integrated with i think we are (laughs) i think we are i think this is the first stages and if you look at the course of human history i mean first we integrated ourselves with tools Mm -hmm. um and we've subsequently developed we've integrated ourselves with this thing that we call society and civilization so the story of human human history is one where the only constant is change and we're constantly evolving so with the advent of no i mean you hear things about like Neuralink, the these brain implants you see these like mechanical suits that people put on and paralyzed people can control them with their with um like signals in their brains and they can actually walk again they have bionic arms um the things that are that they're doing i mean i i you know the new iphones were released today right mm-hmm. so there's been a lot of talk about you know what apple's working on for the future like these glasses where it's simulated reality mm-hmm. and instead of phones they're they're banking that that's going to be the next new big technology we're not going to carry on phones anymore we're just going to wear these things wear these devices um, that's going to cover our eyes and it's going to be a simulated reality mm. I mean can that simulated reality be looked at as a video game um, and with all the social ills that we have do you think more and more people are going to retreat 
um, towards a digital world. I mean, I feel like with video gaming addiction, we're already seeing a lot of that. A lot of video gaming addiction to me is a lot of people that um, feel like there's no room to make progress or achieve their goals in the in reality so they pursue this uh substitute um i mean like you talked about it with loot boxes right why are these things so attractive it's like you open it and you can get something and others in that video gaming world in that digital community that you're a part of they look at that and say whoa this guy is the man right he's got that thing that i want but i don't have it right and you're, you're elevated in your status so Who's to say that one day, you know, like hundreds of years from now, um, given the the rapid developmental pace of technology, that we won't live in a world that, um, you know, that we're fully integrated with video games and and and, and this digital space. So in that world, right? Maybe it wouldn't even be looked on as a problem. Maybe it'll just be how the world is. Maybe it'll just be part of the normal spectrum of human behavior, if you can even call that a human at that point. Um, but I wanted to further add on to what you said, Andrews, just staying here in the, in, the, in the here and now in 2023. Mm -hmm. So there's this idea that like, is video games good? Is it bad? A lot of arguments on both sides. And you're kind of saying, although we're, we've accused you of bias, um, you're saying that there's a lot of benefits to video games. Yeah. So I actually came across this one study. Um, so a study of nearly 2000 children found that those who reported playing video games for three hours per day or more perform better on cognitive skill tests involving impulse control and working memory compared to children who have never played video games. Yeah. Is that a study that you were aware of? No, I, I was not aware of that, but I'm not really surprised. Like, like I said, like that, just playing video games, very, I kind of compare it to like reading a book. Like I know this older generation has been like, I, you're going to rot your brain playing video games, mm -hmm. but reading a book is so great. And I obviously completely disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Like playing a video game, your hand, it's requires a tremendous amount of hand-eye coordination, like especially like certain games. And I think it is like just as mentally stimulating as reading a book. Like it's not going to help your IQ of like learning new words and being able to kind of use words in a daily conversation. But in terms of like mentally stimulating, yeah, I think especially compared to this younger generation now where they just kind of they're on their phones the whole time right or like just watching tv watching like videos constantly i think that being mentally stimulated will put them kind of ahead compared to like a kids who are just like watching videos constantly well i told you the positives about that study here's the kicker so they actually had to make a retraction to the study and basically the retraction was to clarify that attention problems depressive symptoms and ADHD scores were significantly higher amongst children mm. who played three hours per day or more compared to children who never played video games. So the study showed that there was some co cognitive benefits, but at the same time, some negative aspects in terms of depression, ADHD and attention issues that we necessarily wouldn't want for our kids. So mm. I think it's always, you know, like everything else in this world, um, there's some positives and there's some negatives. Um, what, do you, what do you think from having, you know, like you self-admittedly have spent a lot of time playing video games. Do you think, do you agree that there's some negative aspects? And if so, what what are some of the prominent negative aspects that you believe in? So I think it is pretty individual specific. Like you have, like we kind of went over like all those negatives that like these video game companies are preying on like these different tendencies people could have. I think people 
who do have these tendencies and start getting wrapped up into video games and have it become kind of like a big part of their life, there's going to be a lot more negatives compared to like someone like me who could play the same amount, but doesn't have those like gambling tendencies or like these impulsive tendencies to like spend all this money and like let it consume my life where I'm not going to class and can't like pass like my medical school exams and like work, you know, like I'm not like missing work because of like video games. So I think a lot of the negatives that come along with it are pretty individual specific, like a, more on like the extreme end. Yeah, we can't make a blanket statement that yeah. every person that plays video games will develop X. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Um, I'm very curious. Uh, you know, we're talking now about, of course, pros and cons. Let's assume someone's dealing with significant cons. I'm very curious to get your guys' opinions on treatments. Before I kind of share, you know, I, I would like to break this part down and how we approach this into like maybe behavioral modification versus, you know, we're all psychiatrists or soon to be psychiatrists, right? So I'd like to get into a little bit of medicine even. Um, you know, I was listening, doing some research today. I'm sure you guys were too a little bit. Seems like, okay, first, if person is developing or has uh, this video game addiction, you know, give them therapy, right? Like that's kind of, well, duh, like no shit, right? CBT, um, family therapy, especially if this is like a pediatric uh, case and like the family dynamics, how the video games are impacting that family, totally makes sense, okay? But how do you handle um, educating whether this is a pediatric patient? Let's just talk about behavior here. Do you tell them, okay, you need to, you, you have serious video game addiction. You need to stop. Um, you need to take a break. You need to completely abstain, very similar like we do to alcohol use disorder, cocaine use disorder. What would you guys advise? And like, how do you approach that situation for just behavior? The behavior of the actual gaming? Well, how to how to uh, change your behavior to treat video game addiction? To treat video game addiction. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I think you know, just addiction in general is a really tough situation, right? When we talk about um, the classical substances, I guess I'll call it that. You know, like alcohol, cocaine, and all these other stimulants. Um, usually, the relapse rate is extremely high. Uh, majority of people of, uh, you know, especially when it comes to alcohol use disorder, they end up relapsing. So I think um, we have to go into it knowing that treatment of any sort of addiction or excessive behavior is going to be a tall task. Um, it's extremely difficult. Um, and I don't think we, at least as the state of medicine is today, we don't have any good medication options. Um, and everything is geared towards uh, more therapy. And I think th this would be another great um, case for it. Uh, maybe if you're dealing with somebody that's significantly younger, the traditional therapy may not be as impactful. Um, but I don't think there's a better option, at least not one that I'm aware of. And um, right, the traditional way that we do this is uh, what we call motivational interviewing, right? We have to remind that person, okay, you're partaking in this behavior at an excessive level. Right. If you continue to spend all your time in this way, look at look at what it's doing to your relationships. Is that something you're OK with? Well, what are your visions for the future? What goals do you have? Um, do you want to have a career in whatever field? Uh, yeah, you do. OK, but take a look at how much time you're spending doing this activity. You're essentially choosing between video games or this beautiful future that you're envisioning for yourself. Is it worth it? Are your relationships worth it? Is your future that you envision worth it enough for you to say no to this daily habit that you have? Well, let me push back there because I think that's kind of a little leading question in okay. a sense. Because like I think obviously the patient's going to be like, well, of course I want those things. I want that career. I want that marriage. I want whatever. 
But how do you get there? Do you tell that person, like what I'm trying to get at here, are we trying to go for uh, uh, abstain or a harm reduction? Like, and what do you guys think is the best approach perhaps to a video game addiction? Like, dude, you need to just stop. Or is it, can you use this for, um, especially like a pediatric patient, right? Like after you do your homework, you get one hour of video game time. Um, what do you guys think? And like, how would you try to advise a patient? Andrew, let's mm-hmm. throw it to you first. Yeah, so I think it's more harm reduction, especially if you're talking to like a teenager or a kid and you're just like, don't play video games. They're just gonna be like, okay, boom, or like, Right. Like you don't, you didn't have video games growing up. Like you don't, like we have video games now. Like all of my friends play video games. Why don't I play video games? So I, and I think it's important to like differentiate again, like the drugs versus video game addictions, right? Like any amount of drugs is not good for you. Disagree with that statement wholeheartedly. I'm like the main. Like, drug, like okay, the main. So you drink drugs, alcohol? Like, is that is that a bad thing? Right. Like, I mean, inherently, yeah. well, it can be. Right. Right. I, but I, like, I, I think alcohol itself. In any quant, like you, like obviously, if you could like drink socially, it's not going to harm you, but it's not good for you. Like, it, there's no like health benefit, like, it's only going to be bad. But there's social benefits, right? Yeah, there's social, I mean, there could be like, I there's even have been some studies that shown that it helps reduce blood pressure, right? Um, certain studies, and maybe it's because of the stress, maybe it's because mm-hmm. of that socialization. It's like, you know, I think, I mean, look at like if we say, okay, any amount of meth is not good for you, it's like, okay, but isn't that kid over there on Adderall? You know, it's it, that that's my thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, they're not like every drug, like I'm like mm-hmm. the typical drugs that like you're gonna see like in the ED, like someone who is like a heroin addict, right? Like they're have this like heroin, cocaine, like things like that. Um, Whereas like video, like you could be like compare like someone who goes on like a bender for like one or two days of like drinking, right? Versus someone who's like, I'm gonna play video games for twelve hours Saturday. Like one of them is significantly more harmful than the other, right? Like health wise. Um, so I, going back to the original question, right? Of I don't think it would be helpful to be like you should just stop playing video games because I do yeah, think there are I very much agree a lot that. of benefits. I think it's figuring out what are the harmful effects of the video games like if it's their like addiction is causing them to spend all this money or like they're taking their parents credit cards and like like kids up with like Fortnite who spent like thousands of dollars like being able to kind of individually tailor that treatment modality to be like okay well how about we don't spend money and like maybe it's not the hours we're playing like i think it's there's different ways of video games being a problem for especially kids i think more than adults Mm-hmm. In a lot of senses, um, being able to like individualize it to be like get rid of like the harmful effects, like oh you're not sleeping because of this, like then we could be like oh why don't we cut it off at like whatever time, like yeah. trying to like compromise. I think like especially with like, kids, I think it's it seems more realistic with. Yeah, I, I like that answer a lot because you know what i think about a lot if especially we think about a pediatric case and i think this is most easy to think about like a 13 year old boy going ham on call of duty or something or fortnite or whatever right Mm -hmm. and and if you take that video game away it's just like okay well i'm i'm taking your xbox now good luck you know there's still video games that are accessible easily on a cell phone or on a computer the same device that person is doing homework on or Mm -hmm. maybe like you said june this this whatever iPhone glasses, whatever they look like. I imagine they'll have video games one day too. So most F. Right. You know, I, I think that 
um, abstinence the same way that we, of course, and I do agree in definitely most situations if someone is dealing with alcohol use disorder, it's like, dude, you should abstain, you know? But um, I think most, especially with video games, like I think a harm reduction model is the best approach, you know? Thinking of once again about that pediatric case, like it would be very easy, I feel like, to think about that 13-year-old getting resentful towards the parents about taking away the video games. And then perhaps that creates a motivation of once that person does have access to video games at their own, they're going to go yeah. wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I do kind of want to bring up some... We were talking a little bit about the pros. Um, Wait, hold on. Before you move on, I want to yeah. ask that question too. Okay. Because I, um, I sort of disagree with both of you. Um, well, may- maybe not really, because I did hear you say uh, most of the time for for alcohol. Sure. Okay. So I think it's the same case with uh, video game addiction. All right. So for for example, like I'm gonna use that alcohol example, right? Look, if you're if you're a college kid and you're drinking excessively, right? Maybe you know, maybe we need to tell them like, hey, maybe you need to cut down a little bit. There can be an ar- arguments made that it's great for networking, um, for social lubrication, um, and just a general sense of well being that stems from those kind of interactions. Mm-hmm. So I don't disagree that there's benefits to um, alcohol, but. If you're like 60 years old, you've been to rehab like seven, eight times in your life. They've all been unsuccessful. You don't have your life together. You're homeless because of your alcohol use disorder. Um, I think for that individual, I would feel very comfortable saying like, you should probably never drink alcohol ever again. Okay. But so now apply that to video games. So video games, like, like, is this somebody who's using it so much that they've had, you know, so many times that they try to quit, but they were unable to, that they're not able to go to work. They're all, the only thing that they're doing is playing this video game and it's just a recurrent pattern. I think at a certain point you have to just tell them like, Hey, maybe none is better than some, because if you play some, we've seen from the past that that behavior can lead to excessive. If somebody is demonstrating a pattern of behavior that says they're not able to use this thing in a responsible manner, I think after a certain amount of time, you have to get to the point where you say, hey, maybe the best idea is for you to not do it at all. What do you think about that, Logan? Well, I mean, I don't know if comparing alcohol and video games is a perfect analogy here. You know, alcohol is kind of everywhere in our society, right? Like we see bars. So video games, half the world population. Yes, but but let me expand on this. So, you know, um, bars... Uh, you know, most restaurants, not all, right, but like sporting events. Um, but there's still a reasonable avenue in life that you can avoid these things. We kind of touched upon earlier how isn't it maybe impossible to avoid access to these video games where we all carry around cell phones now? We all carry. So, and I, I think, of course, like as this world continues to develop and go on, like I almost am pessimistic that you can realistically avoid video games forever. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I think that there's going to be little things that like are applicable to video games and just extrapolating a little further, like think about, um, we're talking about inter- internet gaming disorder today, but like <laughs> I bet eventually we'll be talking about social media use disorder, right? Or like something mm-hmm. like, it's kind of similar, like, 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 where it's kind of like chasing that dopamine addiction hit. Mm-hmm. Um, look, you know, all of us are soon going to be on, um, job searching, right? LinkedIn, doximity. Couldn't you argue those are social media networks? How can we realistically tell someone, no, you shouldn't use those social media networks or it's like, 
you know, so that's, I feel like it just gets so nuanced. And so that's why I feel like it has to be, in my opinion, a harm reduction approach. Um, you know, we, we've been talking for quite some time. So I want to, uh, let me see if I can, we've been talking for 40 minutes. So there's one thing I really wanted to get your guys um, opinion on and just see if this makes sense because we all prescribe here. Um, so to my knowledge, there's no medicine indicated for um, internet use disorder. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you were comparing alcohol use disorder. We would not think uh, two seconds. Right. If someone rolled through and they were using uh, alcohol excessively, it's like, hey, man, like maybe you could benefit from an SSRI or like. So it's like, are we having that same thought process now for Internet use disorder? And and what these psychiatrists were talking about, I think, made a lot of sense to me. You know, if this Internet gaming addiction is right that working on addiction and we theorize that it's maybe a dopamine pathway, perhaps some of our dopaminergic agents can actually be of most benefit here. So they were actually talking about real cases that they had. It was a child psychiatrist and they were using, um, bupropion. No, bupropion okay. Um, I'll, I'll get Nelson. to that drug. Yep. I'll get, okay. um, bupropion, which is also wellbutrin, which hits on what norepinephrine and, uh, dopamine, dopamine. and then methylphenidate kind of treating it very analogously to like ADHD, trying to going after that dopamine pathway. Perhaps if that person has, this was their reasoning, perhaps if that person has enough dopamine stimulation from the medication, from the doctor, they don't feel this need to necessarily chase uh, that dopamine that they're getting from the game. That was the thought process. And they also brought up naltrexone as well. And like that, that works on a mu opioid receptor pathway. Kind of weird, right? We're not talking about opioids necessarily today, but we think that some of the euphoria that's generated from um, taking an opiate and now it has FDA approval for alcohol use disorder, and we use it for like trichotillomania, uh, binge eating disorder, like kind of all these other things. So they were talking about also using naltrexone, and maybe that reduces some of that euphoria craving that people get from the games. So pharmacologically, does this make sense to you guys? What do you think when I'm describing this? I think it makes sense. I mean, when you're describing somebody who's using cocaine, for example, right? And we put that individual, like we talked about this on our ADHD and substance use disorder episode. Mm -hmm. Episodes, right you have somebody with cocaine use disorder we prescribe them a stimulant um, and the theory is uh, when you have untreated ADHD that makes somebody much more likely to experience um, substance use disorder and if they do they experience it on a more severe level um, but also another another thought process behind that approach is substitution of that dopamine right you're essentially taking away that cocaine but you're also giving a, a dopamine agonist um boosting that dopamine uh so that it kind of mimics um what cocaine and other stimulants do just not to that degree so to me this is just saying that we're going to replace one with another and this other being a medication that's prescribed that isn't as debilitating as that initial substances that you were um kind of tied to so I, I feel the same way about this as I feel about treating substance use disorders. I mean, look, ideally, you want your you want your loved ones, you want your family members, you want yourself not to have to take any medication, right? But when it comes to a point and the reality is that you're so hooked on whatever it may be, video games in terms of this episode, maybe cocaine or another substance, um, when we're talking about what we see, you know, in our day-to-day -day clinical practice, it's like, hey, 
isn't it better, you know, I understand that ideally you don't want that person to take anything, but if we give them a stimulant and that helps them to take, to not use cocaine on a daily basis, and they, that person can regain some semblance of normalcy, get out there into the community and start building positive momentum, right? Isn't that a much more preferable option? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, if there's evidence behind it and um, theoretically, physiologically it does make sense to me um so i do think it's worth trying and i bet there's going to be a ton of research coming in that area in the upcoming years given Mm -hmm. how um how much video game industry is exploding and is projected to continue to grow and grow definitely yeah um so we'll start off i I think i agree with kind of the basis of if this is dopaminergic pathway that there are medications that could help with that i guess the pushback i would have especially for the pediatric population is there's like a fine line i think that's very easily crossed by like parents who are like my kid will play like two hours of video games a night and they'll like want them on medication because they think they have this gaming addiction where every negative aspect of their kid is caused by video games and they don't want to accept the fact mm. that it's just like a teenager who is acting like a teenager sure versus like obviously a kid who skips school every day because he wants to play video games um so i think that like beginning medications for that there's gonna be a lot of people who are put like want their kids on medications because they're like my kid plays like video games like mm-hmm. socially and they don't want them playing video games um so i think that's kind of a big one like a big kind of pushback i'd have for starting kind of that opening pandora's box um but i think we deal with that already i mean there's kids uh there's parents that bring their kids in because they're acting up at home but essentially um they're only having those behavioral disturbances within the home and when they go to school when they go anywhere else they're they're completely fine exactly and we at times as physicians can feel that pressure from especially from parents um to start a medication that we um you know don't really feel is necessary and i think that's when you know, the art of being a physician really comes into play, right? That's when we can really shine in our role as educators. And um, in fact, like, you know, in that case, I would just, I would tell that, I mean, according to the American Pediatric Association, the recommendation is uh, for children that are six or older, it's actually two hours a day, right? And we know from studies um, done with uh, social media use and screen time that up to two hours a day is associated with a positive sense of well-being. It's really when you go over that two hour threshold, and you start to experience a lot of these negative emotions. Um, so I think that's a, you know, I think that's in situations like that is exactly um, as, as medicine becomes more and more algorithmic as mm-hmm. we're moving forward. I think, you know, more and more that's going to be an area um, as educators where we can really shine. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that to an extent. Um, the other kind of pushback I have with that is comparing it to kind of other drugs, right? Like if you take like cocaine, like I feel like that has like an actual physiologic um impact on you right like it's releasing other chemicals like as like a as a drug right like playing video games doesn't do that like it's your own body's response right like playing video games it's like your own body reacting to that not an outside force like yeah increasing endogenous that. versus exogenous yeah. yeah so i think starting medications that are just going to dampen that could end up being like a slippery slope I, I guess you could, uh, it's akin to like a gambling addiction with like how you do that. But I, I mean, I haven't had any gambling addiction cases mm-hmm. this year to like compare it to. So I don't know exactly how we would 
go about kind of treating that in the inpatient setting. But I think treating something like with like with these different drugs could end up having a lot of detrimental side effects leading forward or just like dampening this dopaminergic pathway that isn't being enhanced by any like exogenous things. Hmm. I think one thing's for sure, and, and we're coming up on about uh, 50 minutes here, so maybe we can share kind of our final thoughts in the last five minutes or so. You know, I, I agree with what you were saying a lot earlier, June, that, you know, I think one thing's for sure is that this, it's not like this problem is diminishing, right? I think we can all agree that it's trending upwards. Um, and one thing that I think is very fair is, you know, I, I like what you talked about the positive aspects of these video games, because it is like, part of the social network, right? Like we grew up in a world of um, video games in a sense, but it's still so different than what these, you know, teenagers experience today. It's embedded within the social network. And also it's it seems like individuals that struggle more with social anxiety disorder tend to gravitate towards these video games. It's maybe a little bit easier to interact with someone when maybe they're playing a game together or necessarily they're not seeing that person face to face. So now I think about like the world of kids these days that, you know, we've all been around kids, right? Like I don't think they have the same social skills that we did when we were growing up. Maybe that's because of cell phones. Maybe that's because of the COVID pandemic and they were pulled out of school for such a great long time. I don't know. But I think that it seems like there's a lot more social anxiety issues. Ipso facto, I think there's going to be more internet gaming disorders. So I think we have to all kind of work together and, and try to advocate for more development of like internet gaming disorder treatment centers, you know, because I used to work at a treatment center mm -hmm. and I think I shared this on another podcast episode, like, you know, a person who was there for marijuana use disorder, which is once again, is still a real addiction, got like literally bullied at that facility. Like, like, oh, you're just here for weed, bro. Like pussy. Like now think about that. If someone with a video game issue shows up to one of these substance use facilities, that's still oh, God, like an addiction yeah. treatment center. I feel like they're going to get bullied, unfortunately. And yeah. so I hope that we can develop treatment centers that are specific for this condition. And maybe one of the best ways to do that is you don't actually necessarily have to build anything physically. You know, these are already individuals that uh, know how to work the internet, obviously, pretty well. Maybe there can be some telemedicine kind of treatment centers or whatever, websites, maybe video games themselves that teach healthy habits for these people dealing with these kind of issues. Mm -hmm. I agree with that, Logan. And I'm glad you, you said what you did because I've come across patients, you know, just um, who, let's say in your example of using marijuana, right? Um, I've had patients that came up to me and said, oh, I don't really want to go to treatment because they're all, you know, everybody else is dealing with heroin, fentanyl, um, and I can't really relate. So I can't imagine how somebody dealing with severe video game use would feel in that kind of environment. And I would question, like like you're doing, Logan, like is that the most therapeutic environment um, that we can provide for these individuals? And I would reason that the answer to that is we can we can um, always do better, mm -hmm. right? We can definitely do better. And uh, I'm sure I'm hopeful that as time goes on, as video games become bigger and bigger, um, some of those modalities will become developed. Um, I don't have a final thought, but I just want to share something that was uh, surprising to me as I was researching for this episode. Um, we spent a lot of time here talking about like kids, right? So guys, I want you to close your eyes, close your eyes and just imagine a person playing video game. Mm -hmm. how, how old is that person? Teenager. 
I was going to say around my age, I guess, you know, right? Like I, I, I feel like, you know, I think about my dad's generation who he's like 72 or 73 right now. He, he's not playing video games with his friends. Not really. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, versus like, there's a lot of my, I'm 34. There's a lot of my friends who still play video games. And so what I think uh, is very interesting, it's like, you know, think about when we're retired, our body's going to be broken. You know, <laughs> I feel like a lot of us might develop video game addiction. Well, I guess I, I should take that back. Like, would it necessarily be an addiction at that time of our life? Like, look at social isolation in the elderly. They can't get around as easily. All these, these issues are video games going to be a positive aspect in those those elderly people's lives? So I'll stop ranting. <laughs> is that person that you're picturing? Is it a is it a male or a female? Oh, male. Oh yeah, me 100%. too. I mean, male. Yeah, okay. yeah, teenage okay. boy. Yeah. So so here's the stats. Okay, the average gamer is 35 years old. Oh wow. Does that surprise you, Andrew? It surprised oh, the hell out of me. I don't think so. I think it's like I think why I think of a teenager is just the joy of being like a teenager getting off of school and mm-hmm. having no responsibilities versus now like working, having all these other things just be like, yeah, like I like playing video games. I want to play video games, but like just like the joy of being a teenager, be like no responsibilities. So I, it doesn't surprise all right, me. Let me try one more time then. What percent of American gamers do you think are female? 35. I, yeah. I was going to guess about the same 48, almost half. Yeah. Does that surprise you? That that high does, yeah. Yeah, almost half. I didn't know that. So the average gamer is um, 48% female, 52% male, and 35 years old. Yeah, I mean, I, I before coming into this episode, I kind of thought that, I mean, maybe it's a result of getting my butt kicked in Call of Duty by a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> right. I don't know, like the average, yeah, average person playing video games was like 13, 14, 15. Right. Um, but like video, the world of video gaming is involving right it's evolving it's evolving constantly and here we are today where the average person is 35 um they're that's a fully grown adult mm-hmm. um it's not it's not just a thing for kids it's uh it's it's more and more it's becoming a thing for everybody to enjoy and it's going to become more and more in- integrated with our with our lives um and that's why we need to have conversations exactly like this mm-hmm. um so that we can while we don't have any definitive answers today but that's how solutions come about right from intellectual discussions where we argue about the pros and cons and i think we did a good job of that today i think we did very good what are your last thoughts andrew you are our guest uh, guest of honor tonight so for some of the tens of thousands of people listening to this yeah hundreds asshole (laughs) sorry i must have uh, increased since the last time i looked (laughs) so for any of them who have kids or like my kid plays video games i just want to kind of briefly touch upon kind of those pros that like I think about when like playing video games, obviously you have that form of escapism for people who like maybe aren't super happy with their lives or living conditions. Maybe they, like, and that can of, even be therapeutic, right? Escaping yeah, exactly. reality. Yeah. Being like, I have these medical conditions, but I could go and be like Batman. Yeah. Batman, whatever it is. Um, I think is really important for a lot of people. Um, I think there's a sense of accomplishment to combat some like worthlessness for people feeling kind of depressed. I know I could speak for me um, last year studying for boards again. Like it's the same monotonous thing every single day for like weeks, months on end. And you don't have a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day. You're like, Definitely. whatever. Like I just studied the same thing yesterday and the same thing tomorrow. Like being able to play video games and be like, I beat this game today. Like finished studying. I played video games. I progressed here. Having that sense of accomplishment each day to combat the same thing over and over mm-hmm. for a goal that's months in advance, I think is really helpful. And I think people could kind of do that on a daily basis where 
battling with depression, feel like nothing they're doing in their life is like amounting to anything. But then they could go to like video games and be like, oh yeah, I beat this level, I beat this game and have kind of that sense of accomplishment. Um, and I talked about kind of the socialization tools. Like I, like I said, like I'm very introverted. Like I don't really like talking to people. So like being able to socialize is still good for people like us and being mm. able to kind of do that um, online is super important. Like have friends that I talk to like most days where if I was just like watching TV or whatever, even like just going to the gym, if I went to the gym like set seven hours a day, like still not really having that social socialization that I think video games kind of enable people to have or people with like social anxieties who don't want to go out mm-hmm. or like kind of scared of talking to people in public, being able to still kind of have that human interaction. I think it combat a lot of kind of depression in a lot of people who, if that stems from them, like not feeling like they belong somewhere. So I think more positives than negatives for the most part. Right. For the parents that listen to this. Dr. Harmon, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate you thank spending you for having time with me. us. Cheers.